Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners, like you, are business creators. We have entrepreneurs. We have small business owners. We have local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have our business creators, those who help others build and grow their businesses. And we have the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers. If you, like me, are, more, are one or more of the above, and many of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we serve you at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. We're also available on a number of networks, one of which is iTunes. Be sure to subscribe to the network of your choice. Fresh content will be delivered every single week, and you'll get immediate access to over 250 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. Okay, that was the fun part. Now let's really dive into the excitement. Busy but broke. How many business creators are busy but broke? Yeah, they say two things about us business creators, one of which is is we spend 80 hours a week avoiding a a 40-hour-a-week job, and the other is that we only work half days, we get to pick which 12 hours it is. The challenge is we see so much busy work, but then at the end of the day, you're barely paying to keep the lights on. That's not right. We can't have that. In my own work, and through my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, I draw the distinction between activity and action. And we see this especially in startups and especially in companies that are just ramping up to a serious level of revenue, where there's that culture of endless meetings and process discussions and 19 emails over one subject. And at the end of the 19 email train, not only do you need a double dose of a leave, but you still don't have the answer you're looking for. So... These are among the things we want to deal with today, among with some of the larger issues that go around busy but broke. Now, I'm excited to introduce to you somebody who I think is going to be instrumental in helping us dissect this and come up with a better solution for you. Their name is Fabrice Baylard, and let me just tell you a little bit about Fabrice. Fabrice is a business systems and profit growth strategist. He accelerates profits and freedoms for small business. He's helped thousands of businesses worldwide add millions of revenue and in the process achieve a better lifestyle. I like this. As a freedom generator, a leading freedom generator, Fabrice helps individuals start, grow, optimize, and exit business as well as achieving holistic success. He is the founder of Australia Business Coaching and has shared knowledge on all continents, probably even Antarctica, for organizations such as Harvard. Additionally, Fabrice walks his holistic talk by sponsoring underprivileged businesses in more than 60 countries via Kiva. So, Fabrice, come on in. The weather's fine. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much. That was an awesome introduction. I can see you've been doing this for a while. And uh, I um, really like, you know, the topic and... Um, because for me, like one of the most important things in life is uh, the time and uh, what you can do with it, and it's very important to not get confused. And I really like uh, what you said about the difference between action and activities. 
And um, I've heard a lot of great things about your show and, you know, how you serve businesses and so on. So it's always a pleasure to be aligned with like-minded people who make a difference in the world. And I look forward to uh, be giving, um, you know, as much value as I can today uh, to your many listeners. And uh, I know it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, I'm uh, ready to answer any questions and uh, provide any insights that I can uh, during the next few minutes. Well, golly gee, I am really appreciate those very, very kind words. Before we dive in, and I know you have a ton of stuff you want to share with us today, what I'd like to do is I'd like yes. to take a step back. Uh, many of our listeners yep. may right now be opening a separate tab on their browser, looking up this Fabrice Baylard individual, trying to find out who you are, what your deal is. So what we'd like to do is I read off your, I read off your bio, and we'd like to do is just sort of take yep. a step back. And tell us a little bit about yes. your journey and your experience and what's brought you to where you are today, serving, inter, serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so first of all, as you can gather from my very strange name and my very strong American accent, <laughs> I'm originally from France, but I grew up in Africa. And I studied in France, in the U.S., and so I'm a little bit of a confused multinational citizen. I uh, currently live in Australia, um, where uh, we have our headquarters. But as you mentioned, um, we, because we were getting very good results, people talk, and, you know, one referral leads to another. And within less than 18 months after I started that brand, we were in uh, pretty much uh, in almost all continents within two years. And we've worked with clients now uh, pretty much yeah, all over the world. And that's been a fun journey because I love traveling and I believe in building a business that suits your lifestyle and not the other way around. And uh, that helped me to, uh, to achieve that as well. I started my career in corporate, um, mainly doing you know, uh, business units, turnarounds. And uh, so they were giving me uh, particular lines of products or territories to um, – that were not performing very well, and I was coming in and fixing the processes, the systems, and the sales, and uh, then moving on to the next one. And I was like, oh, you know, I've managed to make all this money for all those big companies. Why don't I do it for myself, right? And I, I know a lot of people start the same way. They have a skill or an idea or um, some dream that they have or something that – a product that they've built, and they just, you know, want to go and do it for themselves. And that's the journey that I followed. Like most people, when they start a career in business, I was coming from a family, which um, I'm pretty much the only person who's not a teacher in my family. So my mindset was not really geared to do business. So it was a very big jump. And I went into some like partnership, uh, you know, uh, similar to a, a franchise or a license agreement um, in the first one because I wasn't confident enough in my own skills. And um, that went pretty well, and in less than probably about a year and a half on a small budget, I've managed to build a six-figure passive income, which was great for my first business. And um, unfortunately, I got a bit too excited, and I still had a few lessons to learn. And uh, <laughs> I decided to ignore my instinct, and I've partnered with the wrong people, and I've learned my first hard lesson, and I basically lost everything. And um, I don't know if some of your listeners maybe have made bad decisions in their life too sometimes or they've lost some money or whatever, and that was me. And from there, my budget was about $100 in marketing, 
before I always had teams around me, I always, you know, I didn't understand what it meant to not have resources. So I had to become smarter and I had to, you know, be able to, um, to do it uh, the harder way and with that very tiny budget and uh, credit card debt that I built up to $35,000, uh, I didn't want to go back to a full-time job and I just had to, you know, figure out ways to do it again, this time on my own and it did work and I got back quickly on my feet. And then, you know, my friends started to ask me, oh, you know, you seem to be on holidays quite often, you make good money. Uh, tell us the truth, are you a drug dealer or something? And I was like, no. And I said, just, you know, <laughs> I learned those systems and now I've chosen to start to apply them for myself because I found that it was working for others. And um, I just, you know, fine-tuned it over the years and for meeting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of businesses. Um, and I started to see what the ones that are successful do and what the ones who are not don't do or do the wrong way and to be able to put that into basically steps. And I've been, you know, privileged to also our company for some reason attracts a lot of very successful business owners that are already doing really well and I want to go, you know, to high levels. And that enables me to, you know, constantly add more things and learn uh, some of, you know, the things that, that work in the real world. And um, from that point, you know, from telling one friend and another and so on, I just thought, okay, actually the part that I really like is, you know, the mentoring, the coaching, like all, you know, the, the part of helping others to achieve their own goals. And um, it became a bit unsustainable because there was one of me and uh, many people. So we started to also run events and have online program. We've created a second brand called Men for Business to cater for our non-Australian clients. Um, and um, yeah, and, uh, since then, um, it's been like a lot of fun. And I just uh, really enjoyed the, you know, the journey of, um, like, I think for me, entrepreneurs are, are the people that are going to create the future because they are self-driven, they have a vision, um, they are people that are passionate about what they do, and, you know, they, they really make a difference. And I, I'm always pleased, you know, for us to serve the ones that have a purpose behind because I can see that you know, all those little things that they create leave a trail um, of, you know, growth and progress in the world. And um, that's um, um, something that I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to, to be privileged to be doing. All right. Now we're talking. Cool. Uh, so now let's dive right in. I'm very, very excited yeah. to get into this. So let's start with the first thing. And we'll leverage right off the title of what we're talking about today. Busy but yep. broke. Busy being broke. Yes. So in your work, and you've done a lot of work here, as I can see, what are some stories, I love stories, of companies, entrepreneurial ventures, solopreneurs, whatever, of things where you've seen people being busy being broke? I, I mean, great. I think we all have so, them, and I just want to hear some of yours. Yep, great. Um, I, I'm just, um, the first one that comes to mind is, um, there was this, uh, lady, um, she was like, had a, a legal practice, and she basically was pretty much not having any time to see her family. Um, and obviously, you know, that can cause some concern, especially, um, if you are the mom, sometimes you feel a bit guilty and so on, because of the, you know, maternal instinct. And, um, they're like, um, 
there was pretty much like her staff was not helping her the right way. Um, she was always working very long hours and uh, always being busy, but when she was looking at, you know, the profit and loss, it was not looking, you know, um, how to say, the way it should be compared to the hours that, you know, she was putting in. So that's where we start to look at, you know, where is your time gets invested? What are the things that get done that are not serving you or that maybe are not making a difference to your customers? Are you spending, you know, your time in your areas of excellence where you are providing, like, value to your clients and not doing other things that are necessary? Um, and what we find in her case, for instance, was that, first of all, there was no boundaries in, in terms of the services and products that were offered, which means that people were getting away of getting way more than what they were paying for, which was creating a strain in the organization. The systems and the communications inside of the company were not tidy enough, which meant that people were not, you know, uh, how to say, set up in a way that they would be able to uh, know what game they play and how to be productive for the owner. Um, and also to start to remove all the junk and the stuff that can be outsourced or delegated and uh, really start to, to protect the time of the business owner. And in um, less than uh, eight weeks, uh, she had increased, I mean, I, I don't remember the exact figures, but, you know, all those things are, are usually on our website because we've got, you know, dozens and dozens of case studies. And um, right. she had increased her, prof her profits by about 50% in less than eight weeks, and she was already taking three days off per week in just that short amount of time. And she uh, was able to, on top of it, afford two new staff that were taking over a lot of the areas that, uh, enable her to start to focus on growing the business. And uh, that was a great result. And I think it's a common trend for most businesses that what happens is they get stuck, you know, uh, because they, they sometimes are doing the doing themselves or they're just so busy, you know, running their teams and <clears throat> trying to get the growth happening and juggling with so many things that are changing very fast in, in the modern world that they don't have the ability to take perspective on what they're doing and it's very valuable sometimes for someone to stop them and put them out of the picture so they can actually see what it looks like and they can start to see all the things that they are doing that is not serving them and that is actually not being profitable for the business as well. Yeah, you know, uh, I'd like to get a little bit into some of the things that cause us to be busy and I want to get your thoughts on this. Here's a big one. A matter of trust. Uh -huh. I have seen cases with businesses, some that I've been involved with, a startup I was involved with, another company that I worked with to get them into revenue. And the challenge yeah. was, is the person who created the business, the business founder, the CEO, the chairman, whatever you want to call this person, kept all decision-making power in their own hands, which means even the smallest things needed to be approved by them, whether it was an expenditure, whether it was approval for an email to go out to the list, whatever it was. But the challenge was this person was so buried in all their stuff, they never got to it. So they would keep asking for more and more projects, more and more deliverables, and they would go down this black hole. So from your experience, what do you think is yeah. two-part question? Two-part question. First of all, why do you think people have issues with trusting other people to help them create their businesses, like their employees or their virtual team members or what have you. And the second piece is, what do you think happens to those people who keep creating stuff 
that never gets approved? That, that's a great question, and I find that that, that tends to happen more, um, especially with the larger organizations um, or with uh, people who are starting and that haven't um, been able to let the reins go yet. So I, I think it's a, a great example and question, and um, I, there's probably three different, you know, um, answers that I would like. I mean, they're the same answer, but three different angles that I'd like to, to cover. So. The first one is, um, I think, is comes down to a decision, which is usually those people have a limiting belief, which is that they are the only ones who can do the thing right. And right. that's the first thing that needs to change, because un until that you're willing to let go of that belief system, it's just going to be hard, uh, because, you know, you're constantly going to be fighting against yourself, and you'll go back to your bad habits. So that's the first thing someone needs to point it out, and you need to understand why did you create that particular you know, way of thinking and how to get rid of it, because it's obviously impeding the growth of your business. Because for as long as the business cannot outgrow the leader, it's always going to be staying small, because it will stay to the size of what one person can handle, and you basically are killing the whole opportunity of leverage if you are you know, uh, micromanaging everything. Now, if you are willing to not sleep at all and you're okay to do it that way, then that, that is, you know, a lifestyle choice. But it's, uh, it slows things down and it's certainly not the, the best way to do it. Now, Correct. the second thing I, uh, <laughs> that I find would be a good cure to this is usually uh, people have built this belief system because um, whatever you believe, usually people will prove you right. And if you expect your team to be crap, then, you know, that's, what they're going to be, and um, the reason why those people don't produce the right outcomes is usually because the systems are not very, you know, clear, and also people haven't been told, you know, um, in, a, in, a, in a good way what it is that they expected to do, and or, and or they have not understood, and which means that if you are able to clarify for everyone what it is they're supposed to do, that they have clear systems to operate within, and that there are some uh, particular metrics that you have to be able to, to stay in control without becoming, you know, down to the nitty-gritty, like pedantic uh, micromanagement. That is all you need to, to, to know. If you know that, you know, uh, you have a particular manager that is in charge of X, Y, Z in the company, and that if they are achieving those three numbers every week, that the company is going well, then then you don't need to get down to the detail because you feel comfortable that things are going well. So it comes down to, you know, how you set up your team and how you set up your systems. Now, the third part is about um, learning for people to, you know, to take over and take control because ultimately the, the second stage of growth in the business will come from the team, not from the owner, uh, because there's only, you know, so many things you can do as a one person. And that, that, that means is to start to teach them how you think so you can empower them with them making their own decisions. So if someone comes to you and say, oh, you know, um, I need to make this particular decision and I don't know, you know, what do I need to do, you wouldn't want to, you know, spoon feed them all for the rest of their life. You have to tell them, okay, what would you do if you were me? And um, if they still don't know or they're going the wrong way, I would not tell them the exact 
thing, I will show them the, the, the pathway of the thinking to, so that they understand what it is, and I say, do you get it? And if they say yes, then I say, great, now you can make the decision as long as you follow the same thinking, even though the, you know, the result might be slightly different, the final outcome, uh, because the thought process is still valid, will, will be there. So as long as there are controls and KPIs and like good systems and that the team and you know, the, anything around the HR and the job descriptions and so on is clear and that there is accountability in place, then all this need to start to poke your nose everywhere uh, starts to, you know, to fade away because you, you feel more in control, you have an understanding of what's happening and that, that makes all those, um, those little things you know, uh, sort of uh, disappear, right? I'm with you 100%. And man, I tell you, sometimes we get people on this show, all I got to do is turn them loose. I'm liking this. So let me share a couple of my, let me share a couple of my observations here. Let's say I'm, I'm a team member or an employee of a business owner yeah. or um, an executive manager or something like that who is holding all this decision-making power in their hands. And you've given us so much in terms of how to help them release that and how to understand that phase two of a company's growth comes from its people more than its leader, at least in some respects. So what yeah. I see happen from the team's perspective is they keep creating all this stuff, and it gets stuck in this approval queue, and nothing moves forward. Well, the thing about human beings is we have a need for recognition. It's, it's in the hierarchy of needs. Very important. We need to be recognized, yep. and we need to feel that we're being successful. So if I'm creating stuff, and it's never getting used, well, how after a very short while, I'm going to be looking to move on. Or if I'm somebody and I have a bunch of clients and I have other clients that are moving forward, uh, I would, uh, I'm going to be thinking I'm going to be spending time with those other clients because I can get results and I can get my own case studies over there. You mentioned case studies. We all as business creators yeah. like our case studies. We want to be able to, like you're doing right now, you're sharing case studies, you're sharing stories, you're telling people how this works. And if I can't get that one place, I'm going to get it somewhere else. Is how I'm looking at it. I mean, I have relationships with some of my clients where I write stuff for them or I create stuff for them, and then I send it to them and I say, here you go, and the next thing I know, it's been deployed. Like, all right, now let's get into some testing and metrics. Okay, all right, let's see how this plays on the marketplace. And I like that approach. I don't think there's any one approach that's absolutely perfect because what I just described also leaves room for, well, sometimes errors slip out. I mean, if you have a respect yeah. for quality, if you know everybody's doing their own checks on it, I think you can overcome a lot of that. Uh, what I've developed for one of my uh, clients, this is somebody who has a whole bunch of people who hand tasks back and forth, and uh, what we've worked into it is that everybody at every step is not only allowed but expected that if they see edits or they see something that needs to be corrected or have a recommendation for improvement, they bring it up, any step. Yeah. And in like, let's say this client is producing an email. So one person writes the e you know, an email to mail out to the list for marketing. One person writes the email. Another person uh, you know, programs it uh, in Infusionsoft, which is the system they use, to get it ready to go out. Yep. And then they send it back to the other person, the person who wrote it originally, to review it. So this is what's beautiful about this. Uh, let's say that I'm that original copywriter and I'm writing this email that's going to be sent out for marketing. After a while, when I'm creating on that Word document, I'm going to see what I want to see or if I'm 
you know, saving as something that worked well before and just adapting it to the current situation, it's possible I might forget to edit a couple things. Like I might forget to change the dates or I might, uh, while I'm editing the sentence, forget to put in a transition to make the sentence make sense. The person who formats it for broadcast will put together what I told them to do. So they'll put the pictures where I want them. They'll bold the stuff. They'll make the subheadlines and all that. Then I see it back, but I don't see the Word document. This time I see the thing that's going to go live. So now, Fabrice, I am looking at this through a fresh set of eyes. This increases the chances that even with a compressed review process that is designed for rapid deployment without the company executive having to be personally involved, that we catch most, if not all, this stuff. Because when I'm reviewing it, because uh, when I review something that's been formatted and sent back to me, I'm not the creator anymore. I'm now the reviewer. So I have now actually separated myself from being the creator. So completely different set of eyes, completely different vantage point, and a lot of this stuff will jump out. Sometimes I'll even say, you know, looking at this in real time, uh, you know, let's make this one other edit and then make this edit and then send it out because this will make it 10% better. And that's what I like for a rapid deployment because it allow because it actually builds a culture of review and rapid review into something that enables fast deployment. That's what I like. So yeah, you I, uh, I, share. I, yeah. I, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to pick up on three things you've said that are very important. Um, uh, that um, if that's okay, I'd like to you know expand on. Um, like you've mentioned three things. The first thing is um, you were talking about things that are stuck in the queue and so on, and you just said the word culture, and um, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's basically what I, was, what I was hearing in my brain all the time. One of the things that I didn't mention from the three steps from before, I think that, you know, um, your staff um, will basically, if they're clear also on your vision and, you know, the values of the company, and you create a culture where there is action, and not like a bureaucracy type of, you know, business, and you know that all the systems are strong and where people are allowed to make small mistakes because the boundaries and the parameters and the rules we have are very firm and we have the right uh, controls in place, then the uh, ability for people to take risk and initiative grows because there are firm structures there that we know that, you know, whatever happens is not going to escalate to a big mess because we, we are constantly, you know, knowing what's going on uh, because the business is organized. The, the second thing you've mentioned, which I, I, uh, I think is very important, is that we're talking about, you know, that not, not one thing works for everyone. And I, I think that's um, a very, like, uh, important distinction that I find a lot of people come to us because they followed, you know, one, you know, advisor and another, you know, marketing, you know, guru and this and that. And all those people giving them the right advice, which is great in, you know, in isolation. But those people didn't look at their own strategy first to see whether this was the best time or the best fit for them at where they are in their business currently and in their current marketplace. And um, that is very important to, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree 100% with you. There is not one thing that works for every business in every single part of the world. There are principles that are the same, but then it comes down to the, you know, the devil is in the detail and how do you implement. So that's why when, you know, we, we like uh, work with customers that are past a certain level of revenue, 
we do include, you know, one-on-one -on -one mentoring because we found over the years that otherwise if, you know, even if you teach them all the things that work for everyone all over the world, they might still implement it the wrong way or they might do nothing with it. As you mentioned, it might get stuck in the queue or whatever. And what you describe with the Infusionsoft to me is like a good system. It means that there is a process that is established where we know there's not going to be a major blunder and that the outcome, you know, is going to be consistent. So now we can press the trigger quickly every single time. So I think it's, it's, a, it's an um, awesome example. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think that's I, great. I was back, back pressing there. <laughs> now this, this, this is going so fast. We're already halfway there. So I, want to, there's this, I know there's okay. at least two big things you want to cover with us here that you shared with me before we went live, and I want to hit on those. But to cap off this busy but broke section, uh, you wanted to share five things, five tiny improvements you can make in your business that will increase your profitability. And I think we might have already touched on a couple of them, but let's do a nice summary. What are those five things we can do to make those tiny improvements that will increase profitability? Okay. So to increase profitability or to stop wasting time doing the wrong things that hurt your profit? Why don't we do both? Both, okay. Power <laughs> about right, both, both ones. man. Power about. <laughs> All right. So I'll start on the ones that, you know, um, is usually eating the time, you know, away. So, and I'll, I'll make, instead of just saying the ones that people should stop doing, I'll say some things that they, some little tips that they can start to implement. First thing I would say is if you find yourself stuck in a rut and like uh, being really busy, but you're not, you know, able to um, to see the, you know, a proportional increase of your profits, is to start to take inventory of your time or the one of your team to, you know, just look at exactly what, you know, um, where is your time going so you can start to take all the stuff that needs to be deleted, delegated, or automated out of the way. So that's already a good exercise because you cannot fix a problem that you don't understand. If you're just busy running around 24 hours a day, the problem is never going to stop because you're just going to keep on doing the same thing over and over again. Um, the second thing that um, I find uh, usually also very useful is, is a very simple technique. Um, and um, as I mentioned, like, like we, we, in our programs where we work one-on-one, -on -one, we tend to be mostly working with people who are already quite successful. Um, and just like you said, you know, before, like, um, when you come to the point as an employee might have a choice, they want to stay with the company where they are challenged. The same for us when we take people in private mentoring, they are already um, usually successful and they want to go, you know, next level. Or there are people that we know they're going to implement and we put them to the test at the start. And a lot of the times we actually don't take them on board because if, you know, if we don't know that they're going to get great results, then it's, it's going to hurt our brand. So, those guys, what we do is we ask every single one to follow this for a minimum of 30 days at the start. And it's very simple. It's free. Anyone who is listening, um, you know, can do it right now. Is You just put an alarm in your phone every day that you are doing business, half an hour before the end of your day, yeah? Every time you hear that alarm, all you need to do is very simple. You write one thing or up to three maximum, but I like one that gives you the most leverage and the most result, the most important task, not the most urgent, the most important task that you need to do tomorrow. When you start your day tomorrow, you don't do your emails, you don't do anything that is disrupting you, you just do that one thing only before anything else. And 
when your alarm rings tonight, all you do is you check whether you've done that one thing, you know, first off in the day. And if you didn't, you have now 30 minutes to save your day so that you don't go home feeling frustrated that, you know, you wasted another day not doing what counts and that you start tomorrow with already a backlog on your to-do list and then it piles up and at the end of the year you drained, you have thousands of things that you didn't do and it amounts to nothing financially and personally. Whereas now, if you just do that one thing, you create what I call flow. You know how sometimes you, I don't know, you're driving and you get every single green light and there's no traffic and so on? This is how it is when you create flow in your business because you have started, you know, your day in the mindset and the energy of actually being productive and everything you do from there is a bonus. So you're relaxed and you are in a state of, you know, peak productivity where you focus on the things where you're excellent. And I can guarantee you that if you just do that one thing alone, um, you'll save between 10 to 30% of your time. If you just start to track your time, remove the things that you don't need to do and apply that very simple technique, get your alarm every, you know, every day, half an hour before you finish and get working on that one thing only, which most people, you know, might have heard of some level of variation of this, but the thing that I say to them is, okay, that's great, you know it, but do you do it? Because that's what will give you the result. Um, that's great. So those would be the two main simple easy ones. Actually, I'll stick with two because I, I prefer people to implement one simple thing that gives them results than to overwhelm them with, you know, a lot of content and stuff that they're probably not going to make use of anyway. Is right. that okay? Okay. That's fantastic. And I like that course correction right there. So we're actually simplifying. So instead of five, we're starting with just two, and they're two really good ones. So here's, uh, here's what I want to look at now, and I think this is where we're headed, is uh, what you call the multimillionaire mindset. So you've identified some patterns of what successful people do, how they think, and what everyone else is doing wrong. So, uh, Fabrice, I'm just going to turn you loose. <laughs> Great. So um, this is a, a, a section in our system that um, we call um, um, millionaire, millionaire Productivity and Performance. So we, we basically have, you know, uh, uh, you know, quite a few of our customers that now have businesses that are you know, very, very, very successful and some of them that are, you know, like ultra successful. And I, I find that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, common threads uh, between those guys. And this one will probably be a longer uh, rapid fire list so we can stay on time. So, um, you know, if you're listening um, and you have a pen and a paper, you can write some of them. <laughs> and the, actually the main thing that would be the best thing is if there is one area where you feel you are quite weak in that regard, that might be the one where you want to focus on for the next 30 days, yeah? So the first thing that is common to all of them is they are hungry, yeah? So they have either passion or vision or, you know, they are very competitive with a personal drive. Um, I was speaking at an event like a few months ago and, you know, there was like a panel, you know, where they asked questions to the speakers and so on. And, um, this event um, um, was headlined by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and when they were asking questions to the speakers, um, the a question addressed to Arnold was, you know, what is the, the single big difference between you and other people in terms of success? And his answer is, I'm, you know, I'm hungrier. Like, I just, when I decided that, you know, I wanted to get into the gym stuff, I didn't want to be just the, the guy. I wanted to be Mr. Universe. When I got into cinema, I wanted to be the highest paid actor in the world. Like, I... But 
I was willing to put, you know, my actions where my thoughts were, and I was waking up at 3 a.m., and I was pushing weights, you know, for hours more than everybody else. So that's one big thing. The second thing is um, to be consistent. So um, people who are, you know, say, uh, if you take a company, they are the ones that are sending you great value, problem-solving content, you know, on a consistent basis, like you are doing your shows all the time. And they are the people who do a big effort when they need some money and they do nothing for six months. So um, the success, you know, at a certain level doesn't come from, you know, once you have a business that is turning around 20, 100 million, whatever, it's not like you're not going to jump to 1 billion overnight. Um, it's not like going from zero to $50,000. You know, it's going to be about constant, consistent improvements, like always, um, you know, be pushing forward. Um, third thing is they are strongly focused on customers, both the acquisition, but also the retention and, you know, the value that is, that is provided to customers. Those would be probably the three biggest ones. After that, it's about absolute focus. They have laser focus. They're protecting and respecting their own time. So they, you know, they have already mastered the mundane things and they focus on the stuff that is, you know, uh, providing them the most value because as we become more and more successful, um, you know, some of, um, you know, people that I know or our clients or whatever, you are constantly bombarded with, you know, requests from TV, from media, from this, from that. You have to become really, really masterful at how to, you know, uh, protect your time. They usually look at results, not, you know, what people say or, you know, all things like they look at the behavior and the results. Um, they don't look at what is the shortest way or the cheapest way or whatever. They look at what is going to give me what I need. Um, they execute all the time um, and, you know, more doing, less talking. And, um, and probably also you need to be good at learning how to manage your energy because um, past a certain point this is really what it's about is to be able to, um, to, to manage that. And the last thing is they are able to keep things simple, to delegate more and to have uh, the ability to step up all the time. Um, those, those would be the, some of the key big ones. And probably one smaller one is um, they don't have a need to please everyone because a lot of the time people are working on um, other people's agenda, on other people's dreams or, or whatever that is, and they are not achieving their own, you know, uh, success because they're always constantly being pulled apart trying to do the stuff for, for others. Um, so, um, but the, the main three, um, if you have any weakness in any of them, is about, you know, are you, you know, really hungry and, uh, you know, inspired in your business? And if not, then work on your why, work on your vision, work on those things that are going to put the fire back under your feet. The second one is, are you consistent? And the third one is, you know, are you focusing on customers? If you do those three things only, normally, you know, this is going to be, you know, uh, in terms of the, the performance of the business and of your mindset and so on, it, it will take you a long way. Wow, that's, that's interesting. And a couple things popped up for me. Uh, you're, you're talking about you know, having the vision, having the goals of what you want to do, and combining that with being consistent or persistently consistent with what it is you're doing in life. Yes. And yes. I've told this story many times here on the Business Creators Radio Show. There was a period of time uh, maybe for about 18 months there a few years ago where, how do I put this? I realized that after everything, I just wasn't sure what I wanted to be when I grew up. 
So I didn't know yeah. what to market. I didn't know what to do. I I have my private clients, and I had a, a good enough business there. Uh, but something about it just wasn't connecting. But what kept my business alive, what kept, I guess, me alive as an entrepreneur was for all that time, I continued to do the Business Creators Radio Show every single week. Without fail, every Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, there was another fantastic episode with a wonderful guest helping our listeners win at the game of business and marketing so they can thrive in the intersection of their brilliance and their passion. And not only did having that practice of doing a new episode every week keep the marketing going, even though for a while that was really the only marketing, but if you reverse that, it kept me in the loop with respect to opportunities that were out there that could fit the situation I was in. I ended up getting some clients as a result of being the host of the Business Creators Radio Show just because I interacted with people, I networked with people, we discovered that there were opportunities to work together. And just putting those two things together, actually a lack of passion and a lack of vision that was there for a while, and mixing that with being consistent with doing a positive marketing activity was enough to keep it, I don't want to use the term life support because it's not like we were in critical condition or anything like that, <laughs> to the contrary. Yeah. But uh, just that just that whole idea that it became so ingrained that every week we're producing a new episode, it kept me active. And if you think about it, fresh episode every week, that's 52 new connections every single week. And then who do they know? And then what audiences do they have when they share it? So yeah. sometimes it is those little yeah, things. And you and I'm sure you've been around for a while, and you remember that back in the day, uh, you know, I have a website, therefore I am. If I don't have a website, I'm not. Well, that was actually a question. Does your business have a website? Does your business have a website that works? We've gotten to the point now where having certain standards of your business websites that will enable it to convert prospects into purchasers and create nurture engagement, it's sort of like your car having an ignition. I mean, it's kind of there by default. It's like you do it because it's the baseline now. I mean, uh, so that's yeah. great. Yeah. So where we've evolved, and I'm really seeing this in the marketplace, especially in here in 2017, 2018, these past couple years, is that I have a podcast, therefore I am. I am interviewed on podcasts, therefore I am. So it's like if you're not playing the new media game, then you're not, then you don't exist in, in the marketplace. So I don't know what the next I, I have, therefore I am is going to be, but being a new media guest like you're doing right now on the Business Creators Radio Show and me hosting a new media outlet, which is the Business Creators Radio Show, are two examples in the same place of people being persistently consistent with their success habits because being interviewed and doing interviews is a success habit. And to me, if you're not doing this stuff, then you're really missing the boat. And I would say I feel sorry for you, but it's so easy to get involved. I'd say just uh, go to schedule with Adam, uh, get on my calendar, and we'll fix it for you. So that's uh, yeah, I think I it's definitely an, oppor an opportunity that anyone can take. And I think one of the other benefits and, you know, like there's, there's many other aspects why I think it's important to do that. Um, I mean, one is your branding and your credibility because, you know, if you interviewed all the time, then people know that certainly you must have something, you know, worthy to share. Um, the second thing is that 
um, as you are, you know, like you said, if you keep yourself, you know, um, uh, impregnated in the culture of understanding what are the questions that are being asked, what people want to hear, then you're more in touch with your market, which makes you, you know, uh, unable to be more, uh, you know, effective in your sales, but also in the service you give to your clients. Um, and it also helps you to get clear on, you know, what value do you provide to others and to refine that message and uh, the value that you provide to the world, um, you know, consistently. And I, I love the words you say about a success habit because this is really what it is. It's about having the discipline to create um, the, to, and to do the things that other people don't want to do on a consistent basis so you can have what they don't. And so you can create what they will never do and, uh, and not have the same impact as you do. And one thing that I, um, I mean, I said I was only going to do two, but I'm going to do three. <laughs> one thing that I would right. recommend to do in, in that, to know if your habits are in the right place to sustain, you know, you being successful in business and even in life, actually, is a very simple method that I've invented because I like to, to create a lot of very simple things and systems for our clients. And I find that, you know, there are two key indicators that uh, will tell you whether your habits are in the right place and you are on path or, or purpose or not. And that, that two things are your levels of stress and your net income that comes in your pocket. If your stress is like chronic and your income is going down, your habits are bad. You have either spending habits or you have, you know, habits that don't create sales or whatever it is, there needs to be a change, yeah? If your stress is going down, you, you need some of it sometimes to keep performing, right? But, um, and your income is growing up, it means you are probably building a good team, you're building good systems, you have fine, you know, your niche in the marketplace and, you know, things now can start to be scaled and leveraged further. So it's, it's really about the habits and those two key indicators is something I recommend that once a month you just sit down in a quiet place for 15 minutes and just think about, okay, where's my stress level compared to prior, you know, where's my income at, so am I doing the right things or not? And it's a very, very easy, you know, uh, simple way to look at your business and your life that is going to give you the picture straight away so you, you know whether you need to self-correct or not. And I, I love this story you shared about the radio show because, that's another thing that I was saying, like, it's consistent, it means always. You know, some, some people sometimes, the, the successful one, when they start to, you know, working with us, um, you know, at the beginning I was like, why would someone who's already so successful financially would even need anyone, you know, to help? And that's what it's about, is like, once you've achieved most of the things you want, then sometimes your fire can start to sort of slow down because, you start to, you need a new purpose, you need a new, you know, like stage in your life and you need someone to keep you committed uh, because it's, it's, um, it's easy to, you know, like, to make the efforts when, you know, like if you're broke, you're going to look for some cash. Yeah? If you're rich, then a lot of the time you might start to relax. But, you know, um, those people who are ultra successful, they just never stop. And, and it's a very fine line also to not fall in the trap of, just become addicted to success and money because that is not a good, you know, thing like, as, you know, at the beginning you mentioned that I'm very passionate about holistic success. For me, what, you know, what I help business owners to do is to build, like, to, uh, uh, like, help them to build a corporation that can, you know, work without them being involved in the day-to-day, -day, uh, can help them to achieve their vision and something that, you know, where they're going to be contribution and legacy. But most importantly, that is going to support their health 
and their time. Because if it doesn't do that and all it does is to make you a lot of money, then I'm not interested because, you know, you, you cannot take that away with you when you die and there's no purpose for it. Um, and money alone doesn't make you happy. Well, that's very true. And you know what I say about this whole thing about money and happiness is I, I personally do not believe that money can buy you happiness. Uh, so I think I agree with you on that. That said, I've also said that, uh, you know, it's a lot more comfortable to cry behind the wheel of a Corvette than it is on a bicycle. And when you translate that, that into serious business and mindset talk, where we go with that takes us to the idea that money can solve a lot of the problems that get in the way of our happiness. So when you are not engaging in all these activities that are keeping you busy but broke, and your activity is actually action that is bringing you revenue and profits, then that solves a lot of things that can get in your way. For instance, you have plenty of cash, so you can pay the bills and you can pay the people that work with you. You have money left over, so you can do marketing so that you can get more customers, you can hire more people, you can do more stuff with your business. And the more you can leverage that, the more you can build a team of people around you who can move you from you know, into phase two and phase three where it's not all about you anymore, and you get to enjoy more of that lifestyle, uh, that, that freedom and what yeah. have you. And that's, and that's what I like about it. Now, of course, when you have money – it comes with its own set of problems, but and I'm gonna and I'm gonna quote Jeff Walker, creator of the product launch formula. I certainly would rather have money problems than no money problems. <laughs> that, so no, the, okay, I see what he means. Yeah, 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 so, yeah so, I so agree with that. Here, yeah, so we have about ten minutes here, and there's one more thing that I want to yeah. hit on before. I know you have a little gift for our audience yeah. here, and I think they're going to be yeah. leaping on it based on the value you've given us so far, is you uh, ask a very, very poignant question that got me thinking. And so I want to get you talking, which is not a hard thing to do because of your brilliance and your passion. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. Fabrice, the question we ask our business creators, are your employees living your freedom? Are your employees living your freedom? I think. Yeah. Um, could you could you clarify for that for me? What what does it mean? So I answer the right way. Yeah. Th this is this is one of your questions that uh, that you've shared. Uh, so let me develop it a little bit further. Like for instance, uh, yeah. some of the things that you think of when you ask that question: Are your employees living your freedom? Did you accidentally create a job for yourself instead of a business? Are your employees making more money than you? So uh, oh, are you in a situation yeah. where it seems like your employees are enjoying the freedom you're supposed to have? <laughs> yes, I got it. So, yes, sometimes this is a crazy thing whereby we look at businesses um, that they actually, a lot of business owners, um, when we look at them at the beginning, they get paid less than their employees. They are the one who works the hardest. And, you know, they always pay themselves last. And they work so hard all their life to have a business that is not sellable. And, you know, um, if you think about it, you know, they were not really actually a business owners. They just they didn't have a boss, which is a good thing, but they never made a transition to actually build operations that work without them. And I think it, it ties back really nicely to what you were talking about before, about you know the money and the steps that you follow in the journey of the business and, and to what I was saying about you know the, the relationship um, that, of course, it's important. 
the business is there to make profits. So which we, we usually follow like a, like a pyramid, yeah? If people are on the bottom, they're not allowed to go and look at the very important, you know, uh, later stuff. All we do is let's get some cash in here and let's make profits so that we have oxygen and we can start to focus on, you know, um, bigger problems and then we can start to scale and leverage and look at how do we build the lifestyle, the contribution, the legacy and, um, and not just be trapped in just creating more money for more money without um, any purpose behind. And I think what um, like, um, is important is that if your business is actually giving you like, you know, not the level of profits that you want and you're working really hard, then it means that there are some things that need to change so that that, you know, corporation, either in your business model or how you're planning or how you execute, uh, to be able to turn it into something that will actually be a real business, which means something that will create both, you know, the financial freedom, but also the time freedom. And, um, like our tagline is more time, more profit. So I'm, I'm super passionate about that because if you achieve those two things, then as you mentioned, you can throw money at people who are going to be doing all the stuff you don't like and you're going to be able to, you know, make a better impact in the world because you'll have all the time you need to be able to do the things that, um, you know, that are going to make a difference for others as well. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't really, I really couldn't agree with that anymore and i know what it feels like to be a business creator i was in this situation several years ago myself where it seemed like everybody around me was getting paid but me uh one case in point is i was involved with a joint i was involved with a joint venture for a few years where i had two partners and boy i tell you it seemed like i was doing so much of the work now my company was out of the three uh people involved in the venture my company was the only one that had a merchant account that could handle the tickets for our joint pro projects. So uh, when it came time for the clients to you know, pay their uh, deposits and their balances and things like that, it was my company that processed their credit cards. Now, the other people involved, yeah. boy, I tell you, they had their hands out saying, where's my cut? Give me my cut. When it came time to <laughs> de deliver back to the client, then I was going back to those people and say, "Where's your work? Where's your work? Where's your work?" <laughs> they're having a lot. They're having a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I, I think um, enjoy, enjoying uh, doing uh, and, you, know, you know you know enjoying two thirds of the revenue and one fifth of the work. And I'm still paying off some debts that I accrued uh, while this is going on back during the Great Recession. Uh, making some big progress with it, but still paying off some of those debts to where I had to float some things because of, and it's not, you know, within the confines of this interview, some of the things that, you know, can result from a scenario like that. But what yeah, I yeah. discovered through that process are two things. Number one is I allowed seminar high to get the best of me. And what I mean by seminar high is, you know, you go to a networking event, you go to a seminar, you go to a conference, you're sitting down with somebody, you uh, manage to get through two, not one, but two captain and cokes at the bar without getting into a political argument and based on that based on that based on that you decide this is the person i've been looking for all along we agree on everything we are going to make big business together and so you throw all in on this jv and you haven't really given it time to develop it's like getting married on the first date is what it comes down to so when you do that, that can be a real passion killer. So my thought on that is if you want to avoid being 
busy but broke is, you know, we're talking about, you know, getting married on the first date. Yeah. I would also say be careful who you leap into bed with. Uh, make sure that somebody where you have a lot of things in common other than just the uh, bow chicka wow wow, let's make a couple bucks because that tends to turn out badly. And I've heard horror story after horror story after horror story. So sometimes it's not even just your employees living your freedom. Sometimes your partner's living your freedom. You don't want that. Because what will happen yeah, is I, I, you'll I, be ver- because you'll be I, very busy being broke trying not to get chargebacks, and you don't want that. <laughs> I I um I just I know we we have to to cut very soon, but I just wanted to add one little thing one on that thing. because Let's it's very it. important. Yeah, um I you know I mentioned to you many years ago that I had lost you know like everything and all the income that I built and so on, and I, it was like something similar whereby I rushed too quickly. Um, into things when my instinct was telling me not to, and now I've learned to trust my own voice. One thing that I suggest always to our clients is don't think short-term. Uh, always consider the long-term as well. And, uh, you know, don't always go for the easy thing because uh, most of the time the harder one is the one which is going to have the bigger rewards on the track, and big businesses don't get built overnight. So shiny objects usually, you know, are just shiny for a small period of time. Um, and... And we, I find a lot of the times, a lot of our customers, the reasons why, you know, before that we turned them around and so on, they were not getting all the things that they wanted is because they were they created situations where they were not, you know, doing fair exchange with their clients or more often than not with their JV partners and where we just helped them to start to put boundaries and, you know, to respect the time and their own value. Um, and as you're doing that, your profits are going to start to look better because you you are stopping it to share it with people who are not pulling their own weight. Very good. Very good. Well, we are at the top here. We have two minutes left. I want to give one of those minutes to you. You have something for us. Take it away. Yes. Cool. Thank you. Um, so if, you know, anyone um, of your listeners, um, basically we, we help people with two things. Um, the ones that are, you know, still in, you know, like infancy or struggling in their business, um, we have like very low cost, you know, sort of things that help them to understand better how to build the right foundations in the business and, um, you know, how to focus on generating more leads and more importantly, how to uh, convert them. Um, these are things that they can find at our website, australiabusinesscoaching.com.au. Um, for the ones that are already a little bit more established, um, they have some free downloads on the website um, and they also can request to have um, a quick talk to one with uh, our senior consultants and they just throw whatever main challenge they have now, whether it is, you know, uh, building the teams or increasing the profits. Those conversations are better for businesses that are already in revenue and that their main problem is, you know, how to get to the next level. Um, they yep. can just, you know, click the buttons there and it's Australia, like the country, business, coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com. And there is a .au at the end. Um, and, uh, yeah, you don't just uh, go there if you want to. Uh, we're always happy to serve, and especially if they're one of your listeners. I really appreciate, um, you know, what you are doing and that um, uh, you uh, had, us as, uh, had me as a guest. Um, and uh, it yeah. was a lot of fun, and I hope that uh, it has given value to everyone. Well, for, Br- for Brees Baylor, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an honor, and believe me, an education. Thank you so much. Glad to be of service. Thank you. You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive 
at the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Please take a moment, check us out, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.